with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, China's Central Financial Work Conference to deepen reforms in the financial sector, and we will also take a look at the rapid development of the country's EV manufacturing sector. And now let's begin with our top story. China has held its Central Financial Work Conference that assesses the current status of the country's financial sector and sets priorities for financial work for the next five years. Gao Yiming has more. Senior Chinese officials agreeing preventing financial risks is crucial to the financial sector. They say the financial innovation should be market-oriented and remain compliant with laws. And the finance sector must provide high-quality services for the economic and social development. The meeting stressed the importance of deepening financial supply-side structural reforms and the need to optimize the fund supply structure. More financial resources should be leveraged to facilitate tech innovation, advanced manufacturing, and green development, as well as supporting micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises. More efforts are to be made to develop the financial sector from five fronts, including projects concerning old age and digital finance. As China continues to advance its reform and opening up, leaders also emphasized improving the opening up in the financial sector while ensuring the security of national finance and economy. They also called for facilitating cross-border investment and financing to attract more foreign-funded institutions and long-term capital, and more should be done to strengthen financial regulations as well as prevent and defuse financial risks. Real estate was also on the agenda, particularly improving the supervision on real estate enterprises. China will promote the virtuous development cycle between the financial sector and the property sector, and improve the macroprudential management of real estate financing. This includes satisfying all the reasonable financing demands of real estate enterprises, regardless of types of ownership. Gao Yiming, CGTN. For more on this, join us on the line now, are Professor Xu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, and Chen Jiahe, chief investment officer at Novem Archi Technologies, and also Aina Tengen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, Professor Xu, first of all, what's your main takeaway from this、uh, financial work conference, and what are the highlights of it? Well, I think this is a very important, a、uh, uh, very important conference.、Um, he basically re- representative the top design of the uh, future uh, next three to five years、uh, top design of financial work in China. I think the key takeaway is number one. I think、uh, the top leadership、uh, reiterated that the、uh, financial sector is really important for China to develop into a modernized country and the economy. Especially,、uh, they mentioned the financial. Sector is the bloodline of our national economy. This is a very important gesture. And secondly, I think、uh, they mentioned that the financial sector must have Chinese characteristic, which means it should suit Chinese reality. 
uh, we need to borrow the experience as a lesson from other countries, but also we need to fit into the local reality. This is very important. And also we try to develop financial sector, that's for sure, because it's very important. But also we need to, you know, take into our consideration always about the risk of the financial, you know, uh, uh, kind of a crisis because we witnessed, uh, you know, 2008 subprime crisis and uh, all kinds of this kind of a negative impact brought by the raw power of the bigger financial sector. So uh, we see Japan, we see US, we see ASEAN nations used to experience that of uh, situation. So China should learn from their lessons and not repeat, uh, you know, uh, their sufferings. And also another important takeaway is always try to support real economy and people's livelihood. This is the uttermost important purpose, the reason why we develop financial sector in the first place. Mm. So I think after taking away all these key messages, we will have a clear picture about the blueprint financial development in China. So Jiahe, what do you make of the overall tone and the policy priorities set at the conference? Well, we can see the policy priority. There has been quite a few of them. Uh, one is that it has mentioned that the financial market and the financial system is having a super importance in supporting uh, and as a composition of the Chinese economy. That actually has uh, been unnoticed before. It's not been mentioned like this before, but this is probably the first time that's been so emphasized saying that financial system is so important. So that actually gave me quite a lot of confidence towards the you know, financial companies trading in China's equity markets, which is uh, most of them are currently trading at a pretty low valuation. If you look at uh, both Shanghai, Shenzhen, Hong Kong markets, you can find financial companies trading at you know two to three times PE ratio, uh, much lower valuation compared with you know most of the mature economies. Um, so that's probably means a very large investment opportunity. I mean, the smart investors are starting to do that. And the second is that this conference has been emphasizing a lot on the containing of the financial risk in all aspects, including like you know uh, real estate, which is probably the most important one, and uh, pro, uh, stock market, fixed income market, all these kind of things. So that's that's a very good thing. I mean, it's if people keep on saying we want to look at risk, Risks. We want to sort our risks, even if um, these risks are not happening yet, but we want to prepare for them. Uh, that means you have a very stable financial market system. So that's really good news when you hear every, everyone saying that we, we have to take care of all the risks in, mm. in this conference. Mm. So Aina, so what are the issues that you are following uh, closely? Well, first, I just want to mention that uh, there's a yearly economic uh, work work report and conference, uh, and this is different. This is one that uh, is held every five years. The last one was in 2017, and it really is about policy when the five-year plan comes out. The, these are the types of conferences um, and work reports where they are saying what they're going to do in order to achieve the five-year plan. So what I was interested in is the unusually blunt economic um, analysis they gave. They said, you know, many hidden economic and financial risks, quality and efficiency of financial services, the real comedy are not high, illegal financing. So, you know, given the, uh, you know, very, very straightforward, blunt um, assessment, the approaches on the local government level, they are trying to figure out the uh, the debt risks, have longer term uh, bonds, basically, you know, pushing things out until they can figure out how to uh, change the uh, the revenue base uh, on the housing side, you know, they're still hoping to uh, keep the housing price stable. 
uh, and allowing, um, you know, uh, increased wages and inflation to basically erode the difference between uh, median uh, income and housing prices. And Professor Xu, as many of you have、uh, mentioned about the real economy, the purpose of the financial market or the financial sector is for the real economy, and China has been stressing that for a long time. So, why the stress on you know the serving the、uh, real economy? Is it to prevent the potential risk, or is it to simply for the growth of the economy? Well, I think both. Uh, you know, for the urge、uh, for in a、uh, in financial sector, we call it animal spirit. In the sector,、uh, you will see it's probably the natural instinct for、uh, financial players to run after the benefit, the profit. So, as the financial sector goes bigger and bigger,、uh, especially in the matured financial countries like USA, like uh, Uh, in uh, UK or Japan,、uh, or in many countries in the European Union, we all have seen this issue that、uh, the financial sector is probably twice or even three times the size of a real economy. So when the financial resources get such so big,、um, you know, as bigger and bigger as it is,、uh, if you let it, if you let it go with its raw power. So the animal spirit will make the financial resource running after the high risk slash high premium product and the speculation. So we have been seeing so many、uh, financial crises happened、uh, um, after we let this raw power go free. So this lesson must be learned, cannot be repeated. And secondly, the reason why we want to、uh, support real economy is、uh, not only we try to develop our economy and promote people's li- livelihood. But also, when the real economy can develop in a healthy way, can generate healthy return, and then the financial sector, based on that, can be sustainable and healthy as well. So that's a reason why we never get enough to reiterate that we need to, based on the real economy, to develop financial sector, not running after by speculate on these、uh, risky product、uh, in a finance. Mm. And so, Ina, if you look at the details of the conference, the meeting actually urged more financial resources should be leveraged to support the technical innovation, advanced manufacturing, and promoting the green development and supporting small and medium-sized enterprises. So, can we say that the priorities is all about that? It's clear if you look at the message about the priorities of the you know China's economic growth, more cash or liquidity for the small and medium-sized enterprise. For the innovation and for the tech development, right? Yeah, I mean,、uh, China's just outlining、um, outlining、uh, what it believes are the、um, the significant、uh, economic areas that、uh, will be continued to be financed.、Uh, obviously, they're still struggling with the small, medium-sized business entities. I mean, these are the lifeblood of China. I mean, in terms of job creation, ninety percent existing jobs, eighty、uh, percent innovation.、Uh, they are nimble. They fill fill the、um, you know the voids that are created by large entities which don't necessarily Necessarily,、um, you know, address all,、uh, all these want, and they are、uh, where the next big companies are coming from. The question is, how do you get finance to them? And you know, unfortunately, is in China where it's, you know, if you go to a bank, all they ask about is, do you have any assets that you can, you know, that we can have or, or pledge,、uh, so that we can give you this money. If you don't have that. The banks are not particularly good about lending on risk, so they, there's a lot of work to be done in that area. Because otherwise, if you leave it to、uh, government entities to decide who to give money to, you generally end up with very large entities
uh, getting more money, and that kind of suffocates uh, these small, medium-sized business entities, which are really what you want to be encouraging. And so, Jianghe, actually, Anna earlier mentioned the property market or the property sector. We know that the challenges over there. Some of the biggest companies are facing those、uh, financial constraints there. And now, on the housing market, the median urge to improve the、uh, supervision, but at the same time, to meet the reasonable financing needs of the real estate companies,、uh, basically without discrimination. So, what's the message sent here? What signal has the median sent to? China's、uh, property market.、Uh, what、well, we look at the property market is 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 a very complicated picture. I mean, well, on one hand, as you said, some of the real estate developers has gone into trouble, and that's basically because I mean, if you look at their financial statements uh, before, uh, I mean, three to four years uh, before, uh, that's a very high leverage they have been using. The total asset、uh, divided by their、uh, book value is about fifteen to twenty times. So that means at least that they have used something like fifteen to twenty. Times leverage, and that's a huge amount of leverage. I mean, if you read the financial statements of these companies, you can see their return on equity would be pretty good before 2020,、uh, at somewhere about 15 or 20 percent. But if you look at the return on assets, that's about only one percent or even less than that, and they got like 15 or 20 times leverage. So、um, the purpose of these policies would be aiming at reducing the leverage、uh, used by the real estate developers in this whole industry. So that's one thing. I mean.、Uh, What the government has been trying to do, but on the other hand, it does not want to destroy the hope of the property market. I mean, Chinese people are still building、uh, new houses, new flats.、Uh, people need to change the larger and larger houses and flats. You know,、uh, the average living space for every person is increasing every year. So we still need this industry to prosper. So that's a very complicated thing that the government is facing right now. You know, deleveraging the market、uh, while maintaining the healthy growth of the market. So you can see that with this financial、uh, meeting, the government has been、uh, asking all the financial Institutions to help、uh, it、uh, help the government with completing this very complicated task, you know. Mm. So, Professor Chu, another issue is local government debt issue. We know that there are, you know, mounting challenges for the local government on its debt issue. So, are we seeing a clear way forward to address it? Oh yes.、Um, actually, I I have one belief that、uh, the local debt issue is never an issue. It's actually lesser than many people are imagined.、Um, in the financial、uh, studies, we have one uh, phrase: uh, we say domestic debt is not the debt; only the foreign debt is a real debt. So、um, we have been seeing many countries, especially the developed nations, are facing similar situation.、Uh, in uh, USA, uh, their domestic debt probably is one. 0.5 or near 1.8 times of their,、uh, you know, GDP, and for Japan,、uh, their domestic debt is 2.6 times of their local GDP. Remember this: it's not to their income or fiscal、uh, or tax revenue, but their GDP. So at that height of the domestic debt, but Japan and the USA are still one of the most advanced nations、uh, in the whole world and enjoying a high livelihood of their people. So you can see in the modern financial and economic systems, this is not a problem. I think what we need to discuss is about、uh, the things beyond that.、Uh, for example, what's the reason lead to the low efficient use of the local debt, not the debt itself, but the low efficient use of it? 
And uh, secondly, how can we make sure our fiscal policy and our spending policies in a local level? And thirdly, another important issue to discuss about that is uh, how can we complete and improve our capital account regulations in China and uh, to prevent from the potential risk of the capital outflight and to prevent the potential risks of the uh, compromised uh, uh, foreign reserve. So this is the real things we need to discuss rather than how can we solve the local debt issues mm-hmm. because we have already have very you know matured solutions towards the domestic uh, debt alone. So, uh, Aina, so if you look at the other important issues here, the conference also stressed that a prudent monetary policy should be maintained. And people say that means China will not engage in excessive monetary supply. So how do you look at that? I mean, China's uh, watched very closely what happened in the U.S. and Europe, and they certainly don't want to repeat uh, uh, what's happened there. And I agree with my colleague. I mean, uh, a lot of the issue is a productivity of money invested uh, and, getting, and also getting rid of this kind of idea that, you know, the markets are for gambling as opposed to uh, uh, for capital formation and, and, and profits. Um, China is, is, is very clear. They, is, you know, they say, look, uh, we're watching things. We're going to go you know, inch by inch. We'll do what we think is necessary, but we're not going to just start throwing money at the problem to see if it goes away. Um, it just adds debt without any kind of uh, return. Mm. So Jiahe, the conference also discussed the gradual expansion of institutional openness in the financial sector, and this includes improving the cross-border investment and also attracting the foreign financial institutions and long-term capital for business development. So how do you think significant is that for China's economy? Well, the, the thing is that uh, the reason that China has been developing so well in the past four decades and uh, you know five years is because what well, one of the biggest reasons is that because we open up to the global economy, uh, we had companies to come in, invest in Chinese companies. We have international fund coming into buy some of the you know Asia companies. Also, we have the money going out as well. So you know. Uh, Opening up has been the priority of China's national policy in the past four decades, and it has actually brought a lot of benefits for the country. Uh, if you look at Asia companies, I have seen some of the companies held by something like 90% or 80% of their shares held by international companies, you know, like like one of the companies called Subar, you know, making port. Its uh, dominant shareholder is a French company holding about 90% of its share and it's trading in the Asian market. I think it's either in Hong Kong, uh, sorry, it's either in Shanghai or Shenzhen, it's probably in Shanghai. Uh, and its stock price has been pretty good in the past uh, so many years. So if you follow this French company to make investment in China, make a lot of money as well. So so that's, that's the thing. I mean, if China wants to grow, we can't close our doors and, you know, and just do all the, all the financial trading by ourselves. We have to introduce the international companies coming into China, uh, as well as we have to let the Chinese companies go out to invest in the global market, like, you know, like the Temasek has been doing. Actually, if you like Temasek, um, the Singapore National uh, Fund, it has actually got a lot of money from China as well. I think I read its financial uh, statement and website, it said it got something like 20 to 25% investment 
investment in China, and it made about 500 times return since the 1970s, uh, since it started its investment. So you can see all these investments, uh, you know, between countries actually generates wealth. You, you just don't generate enough wealth if you close your doors. Mm-hmm. Well, while speaking with Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novum Archi Technologies, Professor Chu Qiang, Research Fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, and also Aina Tengen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. And after a short break, we'll take a look at China's EV industry. Stay with us. D-Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Chinese EV maker BYD posted record third quarter earnings, which is its highest, as the electric vehicle giant preserved its domestic market leadership despite increased competition. Net profits for the third quarter reached 10 billion yuan or 1.4 billion US dollars, an 82% increase from a year earlier. So, Aina, actually, what are the main reasons, do you think, for BYD's record earnings? among the increasingly competitive marketplace. Well, I mean, they have a complete supply chain. They're the number two uh, battery uh, maker in the world, uh, advanced uh, technology. They also have this laser-like focus on the consumer. I mean, you start looking at the number of of different models that they have, there's something for everybody. Whereas if you go to Tesla, you know, basically they have five cars and you have to kind of fit your lifestyle into their idea. Uh, BYD is more traditional. They try to figure out what your lifestyle is and uh, answer it. Um, And they have, you know, higher, you know, net income. Uh, Mm. Their margins are better than Tesla, uh, which is their main competitor, and their their sales are are showing it. Uh, The real issues going forward are, you know, delivering uh, customer uh, sales and service aftermarket, uh, making sure that people are satisfied with it. Uh, if they can do that uh, around the world, uh, there's no stopping them because uh, I'm, you know, I, I like Tesla. It's a very interesting company, but they just aren't as consumer focused as BYD. And Professor Chu, so BYD tops the nation's sales and exports to international markets. So what are the automakers' main overseas markets? Well, I think uh, BYD does have uh, its advantage. I think the advantage is, number one, they have a fully-fledged supply chain in China. And uh, itself has the IPR advantages. Uh, they have uh, all kinds of the uh, affiliated equipment manufacturing sectors. For example, BYD can build their own fact, um, uh, battery and a very advanced battery. We call it Blade Battery. And even uh, Tesla need to book batteries from uh, the companies like BYD and the Ning the Times. So I think this gives BYD a huge advance in not only the quality, but also integration of all the manufacturing circles and as well as the cost. Mm. For example, for the similar quality of the uh, cars, uh, for the similar quality, for the similar use, similar purposes, a same car um, surprise in Japan will be 30% less cheaper than the similar car produced by the Toyota. So I think with all this, uh, it makes Chinese uh, automobile industry as well as EV industry to see this can be a new 
uh, arena for the international competitions and also you can bring Chinese manufacturers into the first tier of the competition of the whole globe. Mm. So Jiahe, so looking back at China's support for the EV industry, what has the government done right to support the development of this industry? Well, if you look at the whole EV industry, the government has been doing the right thing is that it decided that China has to be a leader in the EV industry. And that's very important for such a large economy with you know, 1.4 billion people, because China is too large. I mean, if you look at how, how large is South Korea, it's about, uh, you know, about one thirtieth of the population of China. And Singapore got like uh, five or seven million people. So that really small countries. That means they don't have to uh, develop very large industries. For example, Singapore can live very well on uh, things like being the financial center of Asia, as well as being a trading center. And that's it. And it got per capita GDP of about 80 or 90,000 USD, even richer than the United States. But China is different. I mean, China is too large, way too large. So China needs very large industries in order to bring its economic growth to a certain uh, standard. So EV industry is one industry that fits into this area because if you look at how many cars China is producing right now every year, it's about I think it's about 27 million cars producing every year. So if you replace like one third or one fourth of these cars uh, by the EVs, I mean new energy vehicles, then that means a very large industry that creates a lot of jobs, you know, including the um, upstream and downstream uh, industries, you create a huge amount of jobs. So that's a very important thing. I mean, the government decided many years ago, I mean, it's about 10 years ago that while the stock market didn't really believe in that, and I didn't really believe in that, I thought, well, you know, new energy vehicle would be something, you don't know what's going on 10 years later, so why do you invest that much money into it? But the government actually decided that we want this industry about a decade ago, and they put a lot of uh, resources into it, you know, uh, encouraging companies to do all these things, you know, uh, elevating taxes on purchasing of new energy vehicles, all these kind of things. So they, they devoted resources into growing this industry. And if you look at the new um, energy vehicle industry of China right now, it's leading in the world. I mean, if you if you look at Chinese um, export of cars from uh, many of the auto companies like Shanghai uh, Auto Company, uh, Guangzhou Auto Company, all these kind of companies, you can see a large amount of their products is new energy vehicles because if you look at traditional cars i mean japan and america has got very good advantage with it so chinese cars are just equivalent to them but if you look at new energy vehicles and chinese cars are really having an advantage right now so this has been a very a right decision made a decade ago mm. well we're speaking with chen jiahe chief investment officer at novem archi technologies and also professor chu chiang research fellow from beijing Foreign Studies University and Anna Tangen, Senior Fellow at Taihe Institute. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.